Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Engaging the Phenomenon. And, and today we have a very special guest, uh, and that is Dr. Bob Davis. He is the author of books like The UFO Phenomenon, Life After Death and Unseen Forces, and also has an upcoming documentary coming out called The Consciousness Connection. So welcome, Dr. Bob Davis, and thank you for coming to the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Jim. So I'm a big fan of your show. You do a wonderful job. I greatly appreciate it. You know, I actually had first seen you on uh, on Jeffrey Mishlow's show, and then uh, had and through that found out that you were associated with the Free Foundation or now Consciousness Contact Research Institute with Ray Hernandez. So that was a, a pleasant surprise for me. And so uh, it's a pleasure to, to be working with Ray uh, and uh, also Dave Beatty on on the documentary, which we'll certainly talk about. Yeah. So so let's get right into the thick of things from the get-go why not um so you have a, a documentary coming out called the consciousness connection uh which i'm that there's an a trailer that's out i'm gonna link it in the description for people wondering what that trail uh the, the documentary is there's gonna be a trailer in the description uh so click down for that now uh, what was your motivation for for doing a documentary on consciousness uh, well, I've, uh, I've always been a closet ufologist. So when I ended my career as a, a researcher um, and, and life as a professor, uh, I decided to uh, write a few books. Uh, saw something in the sky I couldn't explain, so I wrote the UFO phenomenon that I believe and had to share that experience, wrote the book Life After Death. And now, as you mentioned, Unseen Forces. When I was writing Unseen Forces, I thought that this was a documentary. For some reason, it just made sense to me. Uh, and here we are, creating a documentary, in part based on, on many of the topic areas uh, to sense worth in, in, in that. Um, and how can you get the word across of something so significant and pronounced that you want to share with people who can buy it or not? Um, I wanted to do the doc because I have a few things to say before I leave. And I'm happy to be working with, with somebody like Dave Beatty, an Emmy Award winner who's lit and brilliant uh, as a professional and, and, and has a heart uh, as good as gold as a person. Uh, we click and we're doing this together because we both are passionate, knowing that a documentary will help, help in some ways, if it's done correctly, objectively, with the key personnel, uh, it'll help shift that needle a little bit in the right direction because we're on the cusp of a paradigm shift, I do believe, and we need all the help we can get. In part, you do a beautiful job helping to wake people up, make them more aware that this reality is far more complex than we can ever imagine. And people are experiencing that in, in such ineffable ways that are inexplicable in nature. And Newtonian physics doesn't touch it. It can't explain it. Some aspects, of course, but it obviously doesn't get at the heart of the phenomenon, which we do not understand uh, at all. Uh, so consciousness is a component of reality, and we see it at all levels. The documentary is going to talk about that. We have exceptional people involved as, as participants, cutting in research, um, and it will help, hopefully, um, make people more aware that what we call paranormal is normal in many ways. We just need to understand it better for scientific principles to be developed 
that can help hopefully explain some of these kinds of experiences people have, let alone the psychological community that is bewildered uh, by all of these kinds of peak experiences that people have. The documentary will talk about that and also emphasize the impact it has on the people who do interact with this phenomenon in so many different ways. Uh, and it's all maybe the same darn thing that's in control. We don't know. And we can only speculate. So um, I guess that about sums that up, huh? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned the peak experiences, which we'll probably get into a little in, more in depth later. Um, but it's it's funny. There's there's uh, something called the, the progress of insight, and it goes over the stages of, of awakening. And this is a map that was created by Theravada Buddhists. But it's funny that it has some of these peak experience outlined in old Buddhist texts and they correlate with, you know, awakening and, and waking up in human potential. And, but you also mentioned Dave Beatty, who, uh, you know, people on this show are going to remember made the Nimitz encounter Tic Tac UFO mini documentary, which was um, brilliant. Uh, it, it, it made heavy traction and helped spread awareness about that event. Um, but where, where are you and Dave Beatty right now? And in, in the, in the production stages of the film, when do you expect it to be released and how are you obtaining support for the, for the documentary? Uh, we're, we're just getting out of the gate. Uh, and, if, and if people go to consciousnessfilm.info to the film's website, uh, they'll learn a great deal more about uh, where we're at, uh, the participants and the overall general essence of what this film is going to be about. Still evolving, the trailer is there, which will also evolve as we interview more people. Uh, we just out of the gate, interviewed a few people who were in the trailer, but we have to travel across a pretty big country. And that unfortunately requires a lot of funding to support. Uh, and it puts me in the most awkward position to, to act like a producer, which I'm learning about from Dave, uh, to awkwardly request you know, support to, people to go to GoFundMe who resonate with, with the objective, the mission of the film. And whatever they can provide for any, in any degree of support will be very much appreciated. Uh, as awkward as, as it may be, uh, I do these shows, however, to find ideally that one rich dude that, that has maybe a, a month to go and um, doesn't know what to do with his deep pockets. Um, I think we're a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, reason to um, direct some money this way. We can make good use of it, maybe have a strong impact. But you mentioned Dave Beatty, uh, and um, maybe he's uh, an unidentified phenomenon in the film business. He's, he's an Emmy Award winner. He's a cinematographer. He's a former broadcast journalist. He's a UAP researcher, filmmaker. He does, he's done it all. He's, he has six, seven million hits for that fantastic um, documentary, Nimitz documentary, which is uh, on Netflix. Uh, I can go on and on, um, but his broadcast journalism really uh, is an advantage in, 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 in the sense that he gets at 
tries to get at the heart of the issue, like he did with the Nimitz, and look at the, the tremendous outcome that had. He's applying that same kind of cognitive insight, that analytical approach to this documentary, trying to get at the issues. He learns fast. He's, he's doing a great deal of search in these areas. And he came well-equipped, very knowledgeable individual. Um, and I'm sharing my two cents with him on these complex issues. Not that I have the answers by no means, but I've written books on it. So I'm a little, a little bit ahead of the curve, just a little bit. But he gets it. He knows it. And he's learning more. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm, in turn, um, he's teaching me a little bit about the film business, which forces me to say, hey, we're out of the gate. We need money. I hate to say it, but uh, we're going to start interviews very soon. We have key people. Uh, we 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 will make it happen. We know it's going to happen. And we know it's going to be a fantastic uh, documentary that uh, hopefully will be on PBS. We're aiming for that. Netflix, whatever. Um, but it's going to be done. Um, and uh, that's where we're at. About a year or so, all goes well. Uh, we should be very near completion. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned before peak experiences, uh, which is a fascinating um, subject. So what are peak experiences and what behavioral changes are generally found in those who have peak experiences, uh, as you described in your in your recent book, Unseen Forces, the integration of science, reality, and you? Uh, I, uh, the core comes out of the bottle. That's an experience. Now, how does that happen? Millions of different ways. Um, seeing a UAP, interacting with the gray, having a near-death experience, out-of-body experience, psychoactive drugs, meditation, you name it. Uh, it comes in all forms, uh, shapes, sizes. It's a transpersonal event. It's called many different things, a mystical event, spiritual event. It's depicted in, in, in religious texts and folk, folklore. It's, a, it's in the hearts and minds of those who experience it. And, it, and I guess you can say it comes from, um, it's an extreme incident of reality. It's a, it's, it's, it gives somebody an aspect of some type of an unseen realm, that unseen force. And whatever it is, these individuals are, have fierce determination and, and it overwhelms them. It can certainly generate a, a spiritual emergency, which is symptomatic of a peak experience. But these individuals, because they're more aware, for whatever reason, and it could be a physiological brain-based explanation for that. And that's what some researchers are trying to figure out. Is there an area in the brain that somehow facilitates the PE or when that core comes out of the bottle, is there actually a structural change at some level of the brain that, that um, is integrated somehow with the transformative symptoms that does seem to appear in the, in, in the form of alterations of personal beliefs and perspectives, which is quite unique, is it not? It comes brings uh, to mind the recent uh, research at John Hopkins University. Uh, I forget the numbers, but uh, it's something like 44% of atheists who took psilocybin before, excuse me, before they took the psilocybin, they claimed to be atheists. Upon admission, administration and post-analysis of their perspectives on critical issues like religion, belief systems, 
their perspectives, approximately 44 of 44% of 50 or 100, a good amount, they believed in a supreme being. They believed in a supreme being. So yeah. people should look at that. And now, any, any external event, DMT, whatever you want to call it, uh, UAP, NDE, a peak experience, uh, for it to alter some aspect of one's perspective so pronounced in that manner, um, does the brain change? Is that a physiological event aided in some way by either a drug or somehow by, by this kind of interaction with an unseen realm? The realization that you're not completely your body? Um, whatever happened gave you an aspect of understanding, awareness, a wakefulness that you never had before. And you question life, you question yourself, maybe you question who you, who you love. Many things change. It's a transpersonal event. And it's a slow learning process by psychologists, physicians, all members of society to try to understand the complexity of this issue. Not only are we dealing with a phenomenon that nobody knows what the heck is all about other than <laughs> it's in control. It's always been here. It's been depicted in, in all texts. That's just, you know, addressed in varying ways, of course, with the language and technology of a religion, whatever, spirituality of the time, of the, of the culture. And now we're throwing 21st century technology at the same phenomenon. So what do we get? We get Project Blue Book, we get Roswell, we get, you know, all that. And now a little bit, little leaking uh, admission by, by the government, what to do. Uh, maybe this is satisfied the ufologists when they've been really heavily involved, uh, interacting with the phenomenon, trying to figure it out, um, having peak experiences along the way, uh, trying to out-trick the trickster, so to speak. <laughs> They have no clue. I, I doubt they have a clue. We, we, we operate on the Newtonian physics. We're just trying to embrace some aspect of quantum mechanics, which seems to you know, make, make more sense in terms of understanding consciousness, the peak experiences as well, because it, the brain itself seems to be a quantum process. We're talking about experiences of the peak experience that seem to be only explainable by certain aspects of quantum mechanics, like the law uh, of entanglement, superposition, among others. We have many theories out there, multidimensional, synchronized universe, theory, field. I mean, we can go on and on. Uh, you know, uh, I encourage people to read about them all, everything about it, the history of UAP, uh, how this phenomenon was depicted in the past. Uh, all of that, current research in sciences. And you see, when I wrote my book on the peak experiences, it forced me to look into these subtopics of consciousness and all aspects of altered states of consciousness to try to better understand what it says. You see, we have millions of people who are having peak experiences who are questioning life like they never had before. The cork is out of the bottle. They're having spiritual emergencies. They're running around, not knowing what to do with extreme anxiety, a passion to figure out who, what, and where, what happened to me. I feel bad for these individuals who are not supported appropriately by society. This is a pandemic in some sense. And, you know, I think during this horrific time of the COVID uh, issue, with millions who are dying, how many millions more are having near-death experiences associated with it? 
normally and the incidence of NDE in, in the United States alone is 200,000, which probably is an underestimation of the actual incidence uh, given COVID. I'm sure that's much higher. So pe- more people are having, unfortunately. But it is any degree of good that is coming out of this unfortunate, it's that I can, I need a stronger word than that, of course, uh, horrific worldwide catastrophe is that maybe some people are becoming more, what, uh, insightful to spending more time alone. Maybe they're meditating more, doing yoga, doing whatever it is that's helping to get the cork out of the bottle, becoming lit, becoming more aware. Uh, and they're having near death experiences, which occur spontaneously. We can't study them for that reason, like the UAP, just unless you will it down as, as people do during CE5s, apparently using mental intention. Let's talk about that. Uh, so, so what's going on? I think people are becoming more awake and aware because the incidence of peak experiences is increasing. More people are doing psychoactive drugs. I'm not, I'm not proposing that. I'm very tempted. I haven't. I mean, I did back in the sixties in Central Park, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I live in New York. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can remember the taste of the bottle that was going. You know, um, but uh, it's different now, and and it's being very much accepted in the medical community as for treatment of PTSD, severe depression, among many other things. Question is, why can we? However, you know, how does human potential is the issue at hand here, too? If we understand consciousness better, the peak experience better, which gives us some more insight into what consciousness is and, and thus reality, how can we better understand alterations of reality from sane individuals, more sane than I, which isn't saying very much, I'm sure, but studies have been done, too few in number. And we did one with three, with Ray Hernandez, Dr. Rudy Shield, and Dr. Russell Scalpone, which is poorly recognized within ufology, psychology, et cetera. Uh, that talks about our research, a critical issue, because it gets at the heart of, heart of the matter. It gets at what do people report when they have these experiences with UAPs? The essence of it, the subjective, which needs yeah. to be integrated with the physical, we need the physical. I commend all the nuts and bolts you know, people out there. I love it. The historians, the new UFO, everybody needs to know all that. It's a part of the phenomena. Let's now, however, I think focus a little bit more attention, if not a lot more, on the consciousness aspect, the impact it has on the individual, because that's the issue at hand. And how do we benefit, learn from it? Is there any aspect of human potential that's associated with the brain? And consciousness maybe gives us some insight too about quantum physics, law of entanglement, ESP. Can it be developed in people? Can people using mental intention communicate with these interactive light phenomena that I like to refer to as? I'll call it something different uh, next week, along with the different uh, theory in consciousness and uh, UAP that that, that we uh, are entertained about by. Uh, <laughs> By those, by those supposedly in the know, right? So, um, yeah, uh, there's so much to say about the peak, peak experience. I could write a book about it, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but we need to, more than anything else, try to better understand this alteration of, of consciousness, which Eastern science adopts much more readily for 
and Western is going to lag behind in that regard. Newtonian physics, we need it, we benefited from it, but the problem is uh, it, it got us away, I think, from understanding the, the subjective, the science of the subjective aspect of consciousness. And thus that gap between the, the, the subjective and the physical just widened. And thus our concept of reality maybe got a little lost in the shuffle. You know, you know Jim, probably the, the person who made the most sense to me about this UAP thing was, uh, and I forget the gentleman's name, he was a, he was a leader of an Indian uh, tribe uh, in the Southwest. He, he was remarkable, very intelligent guy, even through in some quantum physics, learned individual, educated, but he brought in the cultural aspect of how his, his people, what he was taught about the phenomenon, who they interacted with, and apparently they have, we know this, it's depicted yeah. Walls, even let alone in, in folklore and the Bible and everything else. So, uh, the insight and perspectives made more sense. I resonated more with that than, um, you know, much of what comes out from ufology, that, which is combined uh, sense and nonsense. And you go figure out what is the sense. Uh, it's, it's a tough road there. Uh, we need to hear it all. And to be objective is hard. Uh, but when somebody has a peak experience, they know, they understand a little bit more and sometimes a lot more of what life is all about. And they become more humane in the process. And that's what's critical, too. Um, more than anything, there are so many positive aspects of how one integrates the experience. And over time, they become less materialistic, lose fear of death. Um, more humane in the sense that they're more sympathetic and empathetic, more sensitive to the ecological nature of our planet. It's like having the, what Edgar Mitchell said, when he went up in Apollo 15, the sixth person who walked on the moon and, and who founded the, is, uh, the incident, uh, IONS, Institution of- um, Noetic Sciences, yeah. Sciences, of course, the chief scientist, with scientists, of irons is Dean Radin, who also will be in the documentary, along with Evan Alexander and Jeff Long and Diane Coggin, on and on. It's all on our website. We have the best people, we truly do, in science and, and experiences, who will share their latest research about the issues at hand, uh, which is extraordinary, uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah. But people become more creative, more spiritual, even develop psychic abilities. Uh, there's a whole list of things, and, and word is getting out. We talk about that in, the, in our journal article, in the Journal of Scientific Exploration, 2018, I believe it was the March issue, based on the 3,200 subjects who contend to have interacted with the phenomenon. This is what they tell us. Those who interact with the phenomena, 75% of them said it's non-physical. It's like an out-of-body experience that flowed up to a matrix, whatever that means. They don't have the language for it because you don't understand the phenomena. So how do we describe it, analyze it, depict it using words that are 3D-based because our brain, according to materialists, evolved from our primordial soup. We don't have the words. We don't have the concepts. So it, it appears very symbolic to these people. Probably, according to what they say, interacting with, if it is multi-dimensional in nature, a 4D kind of reality, right? We're not gonna be able to understand that. If you did experience it, right? your coffee's gonna taste a lot different tomorrow morning, I would, I would think, 
Well, it does for these people and, and then some. They, the essence of it, the peak experience um, is real to them, like the more than the back of their hands. Studies have been done that have shown that they have this objective perception that is clear, distinct, easy to recall for the most part, and more impactful on their behavior and belief systems than anything else. But it's like somebody saying, um, you know, prove, prove you're in love. You can't, right? It's subjective. And that's where we yeah. need to figure out how do, you, how do you tap into that? Maybe a little bit more scientifically uh, to better objectify what people are saying. And we're not at that level. We're far from it. But we need that aspect of understanding that psycho act, uh, psycho, what, what do you want to call it, the spiritual uh, aspect of the phenomenon, because the phenomenon interacts with people. And what do people say? I interacted with the great. What's that? Yeah, I, I talked to Reverend Michael Carter. I love the guy on many shows. Um, experiencing. Uh, I, I talked to Mike, um, tell me something that can, can convince me that, that the UAP phenomenon is real. It's about two years ago, maybe a year ago. Okay, Bob, the great touched me. Okay, Mike, I hear you. Great touch. What? A gray touched me. Okay, what am I going to do with that, Jim? Right? I'm a researcher. I, 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 the scientific method for four decades, right? Um, try to be objective. And here's somebody who's as sane as they come, believe me, they are, and he's telling me a great touch. Now, what do I do with that? What does science do with that? You know what? There's a lot of him. He's a beautiful person, sane as can be, but it's question reality for good reasons ever since that day with fierce determination. What is that all about? Science doesn't recognize it. Newtonian physics, uh, again, we needed it, but it's not designed to. We can't look to science to explain it. It's, it's people like us in, in the private sector with boots on the ground and using their brains, their knowledge from their, within their own di disciplines and trying to make sense of it, it's integrating the physical and non-physical. Looking more seriously again at the consciousness aspect, subjective component to it. Come on. I mean, come on, man. I understand. <laughs> Scientists don't want to get involved. I get it. I mean, you have a few, but you better, of course they don't want to get involved. I understand that deeply. I've been in, on campus for four friggin' decades. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as I got out, I wrote, started writing. I didn't, you know, what's, uh, I, what research is going to get a grant from NH, uh, National Institute of Health, uh, OSHA, et cetera, when they start having a vita composed of articles about this? The stigma, obviously, is, is one that is uh, inhibiting some of the natural evolution of a paradigm shift that is more than needed. Uh, we need to go beyond, uh, integrate current principles with certainly some of those that are considered speculative in quantum mechanics, much, many of which seem to be, be proven true biologically, as well as cosmologically. Biologically, quantum brain, we see evidence of quantum processes in the brain. You can make a good case for that. That says something. In other words, as a brain, using such processes at the DNA cellular level, serve as a sort of um, uh, integrator of energy from ex external energy, like torsion energy, for instance, spin forces. Things I was speculating about, things I were doing research on at leading institutions, too few in number, way too fragmented as a multidisciplinary effort, which is sorely needed to, to try to make sense of these peak experiences, 
and the symptoms that are manifested from them. And if we do that, which is, which is going to be figured out uh, long after I'm gone, at least in this study, uh, and try to make some sense out of people who say the past, present, and the future existed simultaneously. And so my deceased relatives, the deceased beings, uh, creatures, graves, you, you name it, all forms, shapes, sizes, you know, and maybe Bambi and all that sort of stuff too. <laughs> we, need, we need these outside-of-the-box scholars who buck conventional science, who contend that, that consciousness is, is a form of energy. It's not bound by uh, concepts of space and time. It goes back to, what's his name? Um, Werner Heisenberg. He considered all matter uh, an invisible and unseen realm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the existence between what is being observed and the act of observation. And there's an interaction between an electron to assumes the particle wave, a collapse of the wave function based on the act of observation alone. You compel electron willfully. We see evidence of this mental intention. This, this is also related. Um, there are no unnatural or supernatural phenomena. There are only major gaps in what we understand of, of what is natural. Uh, and these gaps, um, they're hard to close. They really are. We don't have the science to do it. And uh, we have a lot of nonsense out there, uh, false claims, um, poor science, but we have a lot of good, hardworking scientists too, in ufology, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in this science, which it should be a very serious scientific discipline, because it's it's looking at the I think the most significant aspect of our time. For sure. Question: What, what are we talking about here? This phenomenon is, is you figure the phenomenon now. I think you can configure whether or not this is a, this is an Atari game from uh, what decade. Uh, so by whomever, you know, we got Tom Campbell here to talk about his virtual reality, sim theory, the simulation hypothesis, you know, just one of many. Yeah. Thematically derived, right? Uh, yeah. You know, the peak, peak experience, you know, as people say, uh, there's a control mechanism, uh, Jacques Vallée says, and we see, again, fragments of information, which probably is consciousness and everything is consciousness, the universe is. Consciousness has been here before the brain. People say, does consciousness emerge from the brain or does the brain emerge from consciousness? Consciousness has likely been here before the brain was ever invented, right? Um, so you have a computer programmer, computer individual, well, their explanation for consciousness is going to be derived from mind, mathematically derived. It's somebody's programming it and controlling what's going on. It's, you know, but it makes you think. I like to play chess. So online, I like to, so you meet people from all over the world, you're playing chess. They say, say, hey, wait, wait five minutes. I got to go to the bathroom, right? And so the other person goes to the bathroom too for five minutes. What happens to the people who are playing chess? Or it's like, or it's like a simulation game. You're shooting people. Well, that's the issue. Is, are they in cyberspace? Is somebody controlling that? It gets into issues that are sort of beyond 3D. And that's why the, the esoteric aspect of it makes it hard to accept any of these theories 
uh, 100%. And I say it to everybody, again, be as objective as you can, which is hard to be because we all make these errors in inductive reasoning. We ascribe to those beliefs that are consistent with ours. Those theories, experimental results that, hey, that's the way I think, so it must be true. We all make those errors every day in Walmart and everywhere else on a consistent, unfortunate basis. That's the brain. Uh, and I do it all the time as well. And more so as you age, I think, a little bit. But you also, <laughs> after you write three books, you start to see pieces like a chess game. You start to put people in your documentary and look at it like a chess game. What, what are the fragments of information that are most important that should be integrated that seem to make the most sense to me? Not that I'm right. Please do not misinterpret me. Anybody who says they have the answer is quite egoic. Um, and we all are if we have a brain. But one of the good things about having a peak experience is you, you get a little less egoic. Some of that aspect of ego dissolution comes into play. And that's critical in my mind. Once you yeah. get rid of that aspect of the ego, and that's, that we should have a pill for that, maybe it's psychoactive drugs gets at that in all seriousness. Well, Don't yeah, there's, there are people doing research. Um, actually, uh, if you're in the Dharma world or the meditation world, there's people right now like um, Shinzen Young and, and Daniel Ingram who are doing research on, you know, uh, fMRIs and EEG brain scans and all that to say, you know, can we, can we actually point out the physical brain function, which we call enlightenment? Is there a way to track that? So that's fascinating. And I know that's kind of going on. Um, but for peak experiences, I've often considered, or I've called, you know, contact as an awakening experience in the sense where, you know, again, contact induces, you know, contact with the UFO phenomenon induces these peak experiences that are paradigm shifting uh, to the core, very fundamental um, changes in, in, in our perception of reality and who we are and our place in it. Uh, you know, and I can speak from experiences um, from having experienced an entire range of a lot of these different peak experiences personally. Um, but getting, getting to the idea or the, the subject of consciousness, um, what, what evidence have you found in your investigation that may eventually prove that consciousness doesn't reside in the brain? And if the brain doesn't create it, where does it come from? Ah, like I have an answer for that, huh? Uh, <laughs> you know, we have several lines of evidence that say consciousness doesn't come from the brain, you know, which is the one that we ascribe to and consider it the best evidence and, and which we not. Uh, regardless, we do not have that the evidence that says conclusively, of course, of what consciousness is. Now, nobody knows what that's all about, but we see subtle evidence in, in experimental results, much of which was conducted by Dean Radin, uh, showing, well, look, there's been over 600 studies done in referee journals with thousands of, of patients showing conclusively that experiments in ESP prove that it's real. There's one thing I could say with certainty, and ESP is valid. It's subtle. It doesn't mean I know what you're thinking, word for word. Uh, what's going to happen is going to happen. I can, it doesn't mean I can bend a spoon, although some people claim to. Uh, but it means that um, I can, more people, on average, 
that's statistically significant can possibly modify a laser interferometer, either up or down based on their will alone, or uh, allow for EEG connections between two people, a telesymmetric effect. While sealing in a Faraday cage and electrodes on each with twins, it works better if you're related. That's another interesting issue, uh, uh, suggesting something in the brain that uh, makes people a little bit more sensitive possibly to things like ESP or serving as an antenna to, to call down the phenomenon. Um, but we see that one, one of the people with the electrodes on their skull as EEGs are being obtained, when they close their eyes and go into alpha rhythm automatically upon eye closure, the twins EEG reflects the same event alpha rhythm, time locked to when the twin did close the eyes. Same thing happens with your flash of light bulb, but things like that's been replicated. EEG technicians say without question, it's not an artifact. What does that mean? It means there's some kind of transmission, invisible, of course. Um, measurable, probably not, unless we figure out what is that invisible pathway that seems to be consistent, possibly with the law of entanglement. Um, to the electrons separated light years apart and manipulate one, the other's going to maneuver in a, in a predictable fashion, in one direction or another, based on, on the manipulation of the other. There's an unseen force. I don't know what it is, biophotons, torsion energy. That's not, my, that's not my thing. I'm not a, a physicist, but the theories do make sense. I've spoken with many physicists uh, who, who gave me a much better conceptual idea of what this is all about. And it does seem to explain the phenomenon better than, far better than Newtonian physics. Doesn't mean it's right either. Uh, but uh, we don't even have the principles, of course. The principles that are going to explain it are not adapted yet. They're not uniformly agreed upon yet. We're far, far from that. That's why we need that paradigm shift sooner than later so we can better understand, not maybe fully, but better understand how to integrate the essence of the experience, consciousness, what it is, how can we benefit from our understanding of it in terms of possible medical healing. You know, people who interact even with UAP, if we could digress a little bit, uh, claim to have medical feelings. It's nothing unusual. We found this in, in our uh, studies with Free that was published. Uh, uh, remarkable outcomes besides the, the transpersonal, psychospiritual outcomes, they're physiological. Apparently, reportedly, nothing done in an experiment, but using a scientific method. That's not possible, certainly at this time. So we apply things like the quantum hologram theory, try to explain the phenomenon. And, and in terms of why are these people saying the things that they are saying, uh, I had a feeling of eternity. Uh, I, I can see inside a tree. I went through, I went through the, the wall up into a UFO. Yeah. An encounter, I, I was on, on Mars. You know? um, yeah, some people forgot to take Thorazine that, that morning, but I would say the vast, vast majority again, are, are, are right, are valid. Um, and where do they go? I hate to be a little repetitive, I can be, but uh, that's an issue we, we can't get away from. So is this all a hologram? Is this um, uh, peak and Darian cases? Consciousness is not the brain. These are NDEs. I would say the best evidence we have that consciousness is not the brain. And it's bad evidence. 
It's not scientific evidence. It's based on anecdotal evidence. What do I mean? Eben Alexander, the neurosurgeon, had this kind of experience. He's going to be in our documentary. Wrote a bestseller, Proof in Heaven, and has is a celebrity. He's been on all the major shows. It's a pleasure to have him participate too. So he says, and he's mentioned this in, in several interviews during his NDE, where he was given a one percent chance to live based on the type of meningitis he had, and he told me that that alone, his ability to survive, proved to him that that there is a greater power based on what he knows about brain pathology, which he had. No one gave him a chance. And if he did survive, he would be severely uh, disabled by, by damage done to his brain from the meningitis. So he says he met this uh, beautiful woman who said that she was his sister. He was doing his NDE. And she mentioned that she died before he was born. That's why you don't know me. And started to give him some information about the parents, his life, all that. He survives, of course, goes back to the parents who never mentioned anything about this woman. You know where I'm going, to him. So they say, again, anecdotal, not scientific method. People will brush it off, obviously. But, uh, hey, mom, how about this uh, woman named Wawa? She looked, she looked like this. She said this and that, X, Y, Z. And the parents looked at each other. And, and the only way he could have known that information, according to the parents, was if he actually met her during an NDE in some, some space time, right? Okay, <clears throat> that doesn't prove a darn thing, but Eben Alexander is not alone. Millions talk about this. It's a matter of documenting it as best as possible. And even if you could, because it's anecdotal, qualitative, which we need again, much more of in, in ufology and all of this about the paranormal. The experiencer is the heart of the matter, as we'll say again, probably. Um, I guess that's my mantra, you know, at least today, it'll change tomorrow. Uh, so I can go on and on with evidence. Uh, that's maybe the most important. We're looking for that um, home run, the veridical perception. I had not a body experience. I saw the numbers, you know, above my body on, on the gurney when my heart stopped and the numbers were 7423, 7.65, you know, and it's right. Yeah. We, on a consistent basis, haven't seen it. Some people contend it's happened with the data. I mean, let's, you know, that's that I think would get people's attention if that could be well controlled, repeatedly demonstrated. But all you need is what? What's the experience? One white crow, right? Is that the is that the mic right? One white crow, I think. Uh, all you need is one. One person who's able to bend the spoon, one person who's able to see where the missiles are in in Russia back in the 80s, right? One yeah. accurate enough, that's all you need. Right. Um, there's more than ample evidence that proves that ESP is real. You got more than one white crow. My gosh, but the results are statistical. It's subtle. You don't understand the, the aspect of the results unless you get into the literature and read it, evaluate, interpret it. Who in society does that on a normal basis when you have CNN and Fox on TV and COVID going on? Yeah. Right. But if you're a nerd like me, right, you write books on things like this. Why? I don't know. Most people think I got to get a life. I think I got a life, but, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> they're right in their way. I'm not putting anybody down. And don't debunk, man. Do not debunk. Disagree, you know, professionally with collegiality within ufology and beyond. It's easy to say, very easy. But 
it's a it's a hot issue. Interesting personalities, you know, and I love ninety nine percent of them. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's hard it's hard to grasp your hands around this all. Um, it really is, uh, but. <sighs> You know, it's it's the same phenomenon, different suit, different tech, um, and we're just we're throwing stuff at it. Now we're doing CE fives, trying to communicate using mental intention, trying to put a little science on it, trying to figure out the chordate putamen in the brain. Is uh, yeah, I spoke to Gary Nolan. Can't get enough. I spoke to Gary Nolan, leading uh, immunologist geneticist at uh, Stanford, and he's done some interesting work with some people on the brain of experiences. Those who have Yes, who claim to have ESP experiences with UAPs. And I seem to see an enhanced uh, neural connectivity in an area of the uh, hippocampus, the chordate putamen, subsurface motor coordination, insight, um, you know, some, some um, intellectual fun- functioning. Uh, we don't know that much about it, but it seems that this area, according to him, is, is let's just say, more mature, neurologically speaking, and it's familial. Runs in families, which is interesting, you know. All right. Uh, so if I have ESP or something like that, or I'm, uh, or Grace come in my bedroom every now and then, well, that's because my it happens to my mom and, and her dad and his dad, you know, it may, who knows? Maybe that's, there's an antenna that we have that uh, I don't know. Serves so as a, 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 a way to facilitate a resonant bond of some type with the phenomenon. And we all have sensitivities, unique skills, talents. It's like the autistic upon Diane Powell, a leading neuropsychiatrist, uh, um, Vida. I call her a freak because she's so brilliant, and Vida is so uh, ridiculous with Harvard, uh, John Hopkins, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. She's a marvelous. Wrote a book, The ESP Enigma, based on her research with autistic savants. Maybe the, one of the best ways to meet for me to answer you in terms of how do you what evidence do we have in 2021 that says consciousness is not the brain uh, and that maybe there's an information field that, that exists around the in the ether around the earth as Nobel laureates suspect many many philosophers scientists ascribe to uh, semantic field theory ascribe to whatever you want to call it Kashuk records uh, envelope of the black hole all information past present and future exists on the envelope of the black hole right Rudy Shield tells me that that's a physicist at Harvard. And he also told me that these life phenomena are quantum amplifiers, whatever that means. There's an Interesting. Answer. Let's yeah. close the book in ufology. UD Shield, leading astrophysicist who, who proved Stephen Hawking wrong, in fact, about some aspect of black holes. And Hawking admitted, admitted it publicly. Well, the guy's smart. Doesn't mean he's right, but he's obviously very smart. And he says to me, these lights, this life phenomena, whatever it is, Quantum amplifiers, okay. And then he went on to explain it. Obviously went over my head, got bits and pieces of it. Okay, he draws energy from a quantum field, et cetera, et cetera. If Rudy Shield says it, I'm gonna listen. Yeah. Yeah. bottle on, a, on the corner of 59th Street and 5th, I think you know where I'm talking about, don't you, Jim? Right? Yeah. Not gonna put as much faith in, in a comment such as that. But, um, I listen. I listen to Diane Powell when she tells me in her research that, that, that this girl, Haley, I believe her name was, uh, eight years old, can can score with almost 100% accuracy uh, on tasks that require her to tell you what 
the color is or the number is or shape of some uh, drawing is outside her field of vision. Sensory systems have no way to access that information, yet she can remarkably be accurate. She talks a great deal about that in her book. How about the four-year-old that can speak six different languages? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what did you say, uh, Dr. Diane Hennessy Pelbert? Yeah, I, I don't even say to a four-year-old that can speak six different languages. Oh, yeah. You know, that's remarkable. When I was four, I could only speak three. You know, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Back to me. More than anything else, right? Consciousness is not your brain. Yeah, but you have these kind of abnormalities. Maybe it is brain-based. Maybe it's not. Maybe it says something about consciousness. And these types of individuals who are poorly understood, obviously, uh, who have what we describe as pathologies, like autistic savants, and they do have these kinds of skills that are, are not easy to understand, of course. And the question is, how is it possible for the brain to do this? Haley, what's the, you know, whatever, what's a cube root of 4,812? Uh, looks up in the sky and gives you an answer in seven, seven seconds to the fifth decimal point. And is right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, is that the brain? Hmm. I don't think so. At least that's my gut feeling, which we should take more uh, <clears throat> seriously every now and then. Uh, that's, uh, wow. Where are you getting that information? Are you getting it from the envelope of a black hole? Are you getting it from the, are you getting it from where Newton got it? And he says, like Einstein, like uh, the guy who invented the periodic table, he's one of my ideas. Downloaded. And people get downloads now, they contend. They don't want to admit it, but they get physics downloads. I know, I know people who have, um, and many people know people who have, you know, what, what, and if they have gotten equations, what did they say? <laughs> Obviously, looking for the advantage. Look, it gets wild. Uh, I don't even want to go into the CIA and the DOD and, and Elizondo, and, you know, I, I'm not putting it down at all. It's, it's, it's been so much behind the scenes with all of this. Um, and so much more that is done, that's known, and we're getting a lot of wishy-washy cover-up. Uh, and they keep it purposely in the dark, I think. I'm not a you know kind of historian or geopolitical guy on this phenomenon. It's entertaining, all that stuff that goes on. I listen to it. I, um, I love hearing about in people's theories. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I think it must be done trying to get at the truth, but it's frustrating because you don't know what the truth is. And only a year or 10 or 20 later, do you find that it was a fraud. It was a hoax, uh, disinformation. So you learn the hard way. It's too much of that to, to buy into anything with, with great uh, sincerity. And that's why I try to be careful not to interpret everything I read. Too literally. Uh, I commend the UAP report as brief <laughs> and uh, narrow uh, as, as it is in scope and information, uh, but it's, it's a little bit of an admission. It's better than nothing. I'll take it. But, you know, you know just be quiet, society. Here, here we'll say it's real, and, uh, and it is. But coming out in the way that they did uh, was, you know, it's plausible. They, they recognize it. So 
Now, what that means? Well, the, the society in general goes back to sleep until maybe the next big news event. What that is, I don't know. Uh, like, you know, Robert Salas and they play around with our nuclear missiles and all that. And they do. We know that. Uh, that's compelling evidence that that's, there's a form of energy. I'm not sure what it is, uh, is that can have that power over our tech. Uh, it's toys to them, of course. Yeah. But we see these kinds of innovations as interventions. And the question is, what's the message? Did he bring us to a certain level of understanding of spirituality and say, that's all you're going to go, you know, for this generation. You, you go figure that out in the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and, and each generation gets a little bit more aware. We don't storm on beaches in Normandy anymore, but a little bit more civil and diplomatic and humane. But the issue at hand is how do we make everyone humane? Can it come in a pill form? Does everybody have to have a peak experience? We need to understand scientific principles better, maybe manipulate these kinds of things, interact with the phenomenon, learn from it if we're allowed to. And I don't think we're. I don't think we are allowed to, although some people do say they get information that's beneficial. But you get a lot of the crap, too. You get a lot of the yeah. You get Par for the course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good luck. What do you do with that? You get spiritual. Yeah. You get love, unconditional love. You get beautiful images, the heavenly environment, all that. And then you get just the opposite. You, you get the terror. Uh, and yeah. what, what's going on? Is this a trick? You're playing with my mind, a holographic projection, projection. Someone's playing a game on Commodore 64 somewhere far, far away. You know, what are we? Uh, yeah. Most people don't care. I do. I'm curious. Plato asked the same things. You know, he, 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 the same questions he asked, we we're asking today. Yeah. He thought of the control system, something like that, using different languages, obviously, different, but the same concept. I think if they were able to express language communication in a relatively mature manner 40,000 years ago in caves, they'd be uh, pounding on their chest with, um, with stone eyes, uh, asking the same questions in grunts and groans, but the same questions. What the F is going on here? Yeah. Uh, you know? But uh, since we were, we were talking about UAP, um, you know, what's your best guess in supporting rationality for, for what is behind the UFO or UAP phenomena? Best guess, huh? Um, this week? This week? This, yeah, let's go with today. <laughs> but you'll have me on again, and I'm going to give you a different answer. You know that. Yeah, for sure. My best guess is, my best guess is just that. It's a guess, uh, a suggestion. Don't quote me. Please, because this is not an answer. This is my uh, it's my two cents worth in terms of what I'm trying to trying to figure out. I don't go with the you know the green green people from Mars theory. I don't go with that. What am I going with? It's physical. It's non-physical. It's faded. Everybody, the details. All your know the physical aspects of it. Um, biologic too. The pressures on the ground. Some burns. Whatever. Uh, the 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 human. Interaction is most significant, of course, is, is more psychological in nature. But that's a non-physical, shall we call it. Maybe that's physical too. But the point is those who interact with, with it are lit from that moment forward, especially if they have a, a strong interaction, like a, a physical or, or psychoactive kind of interaction where it's more real than anything to them, as real as can be. But 
that profound inexplicable interaction of whatever type with the being itself or the craft or, or, or everything, it, it, it does something to them. Uh, the core comes out and that's the non-physical and they become um, passionate about what happened. So you, know, you fast forward and, and then you say, okay, could this be plasma? Is it possible that this interactive aerial phenomenon is plasma-based, or maybe plasma is a shield of some type of, of whatever the true intelligence may be, unless plasma, um, fourth state of matter, along with solid, liquid, and gas, it's a, it's a charged ionized gas, and it, it has strong electrostatic interactions, um, ball lightning, uh, earth lights, the uh, uh, tectonic stress may generate them and be seen and has has that in various areas along the country where the light phenomena is, is much more common. But can some characteristics of plasma be associated with this with the UAP? I think possibly, yeah, some of it. Maybe all of it. I don't know. But this 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 rationale, and I wrote a chapter for the book edited by Ray, Beyond Reality. Uh, commend him for that massive effort. And I'm going to talk about just this, today's theory. Uh, plasma might be behind it, maybe behind it, and plasma itself might be a form of intelligence, believe it or not. And, and let's put the pieces together. Um, back in, I think, the 70s, astrophysicist Harvey, Dr. Harvey Rutledge, he called them pseudostars. He, he described plasma as in, in a manner that uh, these lights that he saw in Missouri, and he studied it for over a decade, they behaved like the UAPs of today. Many colors, a general nighttime appearance uh, of them, they're self-illuminating, they're fuzzy characteristics, so all of that split, the vibe, spiral, uh, all of what we hear now. Okay, let's put that piece of evidence together with uh, physicists that from uh, the Russian Academy of Science. Uh, in the laboratory, he studied plasma and he looked at the, the complex mixture of this inorganic material. He also came to the same conclusion. It splits, it dissolves into invisibility, it can grow, etc. cetera. Uh, wink out, wink in, light bulbs, so they can penetrate solid objects, give off electromagnetic waves. Okay, okay, we'll keep that in mind. Uh, Project Condine, a uh, uh, UK report back in uh, yeah. 2000, it talked about, I think, over 10,000 sightings over a 30-year period back in the 60s, 80s, 90s, I think. And they, they concluded that the UAPs are hardly charged atmospheric plasmas. Now, it doesn't mean that it is, but there's a lot of physiological effects and dizziness. People feel odd, um, um, feel a little terror, fear, whatever. Okay, that in mind. Fast forward, more recent times, uh, Massimo Tier Durani, an astrophysicist, we just spoke with him too in our U UAP group on, on Facebook. I have a lot yeah. of stuff for him. He studied the Hazlund, Hazdalen lights in Hazlund. Yeah. I'm sorry, he's probably saying it wrong. He did this for decades. Through the scientific method at it, came to the, came to the conclusion for decades that it was a purely geo poorly understood geophysical, geoatmospheric, magnetic kind of phenomena. However, however, he changed his tune. In more recent years, and he's mentioned this, we talked briefly about it on, on, and he discussed it, there, there's an intelligence behind it, he thought, a purposeful intellectual intelligence to it. 
Um, and he goes into some detail. He's written about it. I encourage people to look at his, his website where he, where he does discuss it. He came to the same conclusion that this unseen, mysterious, low-level plasma uh, that's observed and behaves similarly in different parts of the world, even in the laboratory, over time, is intelligent. And its behavior simulates physical matter. It's very stealthy, he says. But it does interact, he says, with people in a physical objective, but also, he says, in a subjective way. Now, who am I to give you a theory about UAPs when you have people like this, like Rutledge and Massimo, saying, not that they're right, but saying something about the phenomenon up close and personal, studying it from a scientific perspective, and then coming up with the same conclusion, there's a consciousness component to it. There's a, there's a willfulness, it's a form of interaction, there's symbolic interaction with it. Um, almost as it, if they, I know I'm here, right? It's like Chris Bloodsoff. He knows they're here, he's at the door, and there it is, right? By the main. You know, some people know that, that pre-sentient, or they know what you're going to do before you do it. And that, you know, do they, and that's what, uh, well, Point is, look, David Baum, getting back to plasma, David Baum, the physicist, the student of Einstein, he called plasma primitive life form. I'm give you more details about that. Okay, okay, what does that mean? You move up to or orchestrated reduction theory, the Penrose Hammerhoff theory. The uh, scientists over at University of Arizona, you know, they go on here, putting, trying to put more pieces together. It's a, is this a quantum process, in other words? Is plasma qualitatively, um, how do you call it, a, a structure of coherence? Is it similar to quantum objects? Is it similar to the concept of quantum entanglements? Because it also shows evidence of that. Don't you see that or the intelligence behind it, whatever? Maybe it's a quantum process. That's why maybe Rudy Shield, that's a physicist of Harvard, by the way. Rudy Shield was a career scientist at the Smithsonian, Smithsonian lab at Harvard. And he says they're quantum amplifiers. You kind of figure out why, uh, why he feels this way. There's, uh, you know, could there be uh, this resonant bond, a connecting bond that is, uh, that, that is into, that we integrate with? Yeah, or see, almost something symbiotic. Exactly. Like the, right, like the brain and you, I think is symbiotic, let alone, let alone you, the brain and, and another intelligence. Possible. Yeah. And possible. Uh, I think you can make a case again. That's some UAP. I'm not saying this is the answer. Please don't misinterpret anybody. Misinterpret me. But it goes deep like this. You know, when you have, uh, you're trying to put the pieces together. So is this behind the 100,000 mile per hour tic tac? Is that plasma? Is is it, is it? Does it give the form of a of a delta? 727. It's flying, and a pilot comes along. You know, what I'm going to say, and it sees the commercial plane ahead of it, contacts air traffic control, what the hell's going on, it's real close, and then realizes that you can't keep up with the commercial plane. It's been mentioned. Well, well, let's let's throw on the jets. I'm going to get this, right? Can't keep up with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Shit like that happens all the time. You know, when, you, when these pilots are interacting with Tic Tacs, I bet you that I bet, uh, and I don't want to miss, miss, I don't mean to misquote, misinterpret anything. I'm assuming, based on what I know from experiences with the phenomenon, that these pilots will have great respect for 
who are dealing with the aftermath of, of these kinds of interactions for decades. In the 40s, Foo Fighters in World War II, let alone Tic Tacs now, right? Um, it's left more than an impression. They, I think they take something home with them, not only in the form of a passion to figure out what happened and the, the incident in and of itself, but I, there could be more. There could be more. Yeah. Other people saying now, uh, it's like you go to a skinwalker and, you, and then you take a hitchhike home. Hitchhiker home with you. Uh, I, I don't want any part of Skinwalker. I don't want any part of UAPs in, a, in up front and close. And I'm going to, by the way, Mike Merberg, CE5, with Dave Beatty, Gary Borges, to film uh, the sky all night, all morning. Uh, and uh, Darby Ranch up a little north of Tampa. Beautiful people. Absolutely magnificent. Uh, we all meditate to uh, the, the mental intention, right? The willful potentially willful um, interaction, willful calling down. Look, you know what really upsets me? This intelligence, whatever it is, uh, here again, there's good and bad associated with it besides the symbolic imagery, games, and all that, and benefit and horror as well. The complexity is beyond belief, is it not? So, they violate our free will, they invade. And I think people are left with that too. Who are you to enter, enter me, influence me, especially if it's bad? I mean, if it's good, it's still gonna shock the soul, the system in many ways. Uh, many people will be put over the top. Many people will need Xanax, right? A counseling, right support from, the, from experiences counselors, psychologists who are experiences, who understand it. Because the last thing you want when you're having a spiritual emergency is to be told by a professional psychologist, a psychiatrist, that you're, you have a severe mental problem and you need medication or whatever. It's the last thing you want to hear. And you know what? Yeah. The, the professional's wrong. Professional is wrong. They they often who does not understand the essence of the issue, and and just now, only now, is the psychological community getting a little bit flexible in terms of how to treat people that have these kinds of spiritual emergencies. They say take the cultural belief system into account before you go diagnose. Right? I can understand that, you know, but they don't go. They don't understand it. You can't blame them really. They don't understand it. And that's unfortunate, but some professionals do. The experiences in particular, they understand. They, they know the importance of providing the right kind of help to people who are, well, you know, going through an experience that, they, that is just yeah. right. world and, and people around them. You know, like 70% of people who have the NDEs wind up divorced within five years of the, or seven years of the NDE. I don't know what the data say for UAPs, but I bet it's higher than the general. Uh, like, yeah, it's, yeah, I know, yeah. you know, I know people who were in a relationship and they had a, you know, they actually had their first CE5 and, uh, and it kind of, you know, it was a peak experience, a hundred percent. And that kind of changed the relationship and, and, you know, they grew apart because of that, because this person had this new understanding, this new passion um, this new drive to understand and, and it ended up not working out for them. So, you know, 
Um, but you know, maybe for the better, who's to say, but again, yeah, there's, there's not the support out there that's needed. And, you know, my hats are off to people like Daniel Ingram, um, who's working with people called with uh, something called the emergent uh, phenomena consortium, where they're trying to, to create a, you know, not only a lexicon, but, um, you know, provide support to people that are having peak experiences or awakening experiences in a clinical way. Um, and also, yeah, you know, psychologists and, and, and people in the medical field are, are going to need training to understand how to, how to treat people and help people and support people that have experiences, again, with UAP, or if somebody has a very powerful psychic experience out of somewhere, so rather than saying they're crazy, what are the right support systems um, uh, that are going to be needed to kind of deal with those, um, you know, and again, a UAP experience, you know, for decades, you had the, the governments of the world, especially the United States government saying, this doesn't exist. Okay, so now the, the, the United States government is coming out saying UAPs are real and we don't know what they are. So what about all those people who had those experiences that you told them that never happened, right? I mean, the, forget, forget reconciling with that. But now, okay, so what are you going to do about it? You, you, you know, there has to be a system in place uh, to help those kind of people, right? And I mean, I, for, for I think the longest time, it's been part of the, the UFO community and the experiencer community to take that role. People who have had these experiences and who can, you know, put a hand out and say, you know, there's, this is part of the human experience. Um, so I, I think that's very important. Um, but getting, getting to, um, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, Thank the, you. The UAP. I mean, there's going to be specialists needed in those fields. So, of course. Of course. you know, um, but you know, uh, UAP, UFOs, contact, uh, you had, you had something in your book called interactive aerial phenomenon. So why do you choose the terminology of the interactive aerial phenomena? Because it interacts, you see it a lot, a lot in the air, and we don't know what the heck it's about. Uh, I just thought it'd be—I uh, I thought unidentified and the term phenomena, you know, in, in a, within a three-word string of words was a little, little redundant. So it's a little description there, interactive. I don't know. It's—it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. I guess back a thousand years ago, maybe they call them angels. Maybe that's the best word. Maybe it's, right. <laughs> maybe it's UAP or something in between. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's calling the shots. That's my best guess. It's calling the shots. I can't say that, yeah. but let's just say the data strongly suggested. Just like Ian Stevenson said about reincarnation, it's a studying three hundred kids claim to have gone through a reincarnation life experience or you can document the you know, details of information about past lives based on again anecdotal evidence quite compelling but he's not going to go on the limb given his academic position and say it's you know we live all the time in different bodies so we reincarnate but he said instead the data strongly suggests reincarnation so i'm gonna cop out and say i'll take a, i'll take a ian stevenson from the University of Virginia and say the data strongly suggests uh, that there is an intelligence interacting with us. And, uh, you know, am I going to see a grade tonight? Uh, you know, it's, it's a possibility, you know, yeah. it, I mean, it, it's Halloween, maybe. Uh, <laughs> people say that. 
So what, what do you do with that information, right? Most people deny it, ignore it. I mean, who hear that, obviously. Uh, and those, most people aren't lit. They don't want any part of it. They don't question it. And, and like you mentioned earlier, there's married couples. One's lit, looking completely passionate, very spiritual. Over time, we all change. And you go down this rabbit hole, you're going you're gonna to go, keep going down the hole. You can't turn it off. Uh, just put the cork back in the bottle. I hate to keep saying that, making that analogy, but it's true. It's like the thermostat system, or like a control system that Valet talks about, acts like a thermostat. Kind of interesting analogy, right? Uh, just things differently based on the, what's going on, weather-wise or something else. Interesting. Uh, control hypothesis. You know, you've got a million hypotheses out there. Choose one. Provide supporting evidence. Quantify it. What theory supports it? How do you measure it? Who do you believe? And it makes sense of this poorly understood self organizing system that is extraordinarily fragmented with, with massively different opinions, uh, with different organizations and segments of society, small in number, uh, that rarely communicate effectively with each other to share data, although some efforts being made with UFO databases to be more global. So Valet, I think, is also looking at this uh, to, to try to have every, everything downloaded to one place where we can look at it, analyze all the information in a more consistent, um, organized fashion to make better sense of it and to, to share the data with not only ufologists in general and the obvious uh, geneticists and astrophysicists and pilots, and, but also anthropologists, linguists, sociologists. I'd love to get cultural anthropologists involved with, with ufology to interview people. They understand uh, they understand the cultural aspects of language, uh, the essence of a society or subgroup or subculture better than anybody. They study that. Let's, let's expose them and do some qualitative research with experiencers, let alone that do the MRIs pre-post. And yeah. uh, it's been done. I'm sure it's been done. I'm sure these psychic experiments have been done with the uh, lights in the sky. What the findings were, I don't know, but I'm sure Russia did. I'm sure we did. If we didn't, I'd be quite surprised. Very, yeah. I mean, come on. They probably did in the 50s, 60s. They knew all about that stuff. You kidding me? And 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 and, and they learn from experiences. They read They read beyond UFOs. They read valet. That's their best source. The stuff yeah. in the public. So they follow us. They go to. They go here. They go there. They join this group. They're on Facebook. Then they should. They should. How do you learn better than listen to the experiences on Facebook on on these other social networks? It's remarkable. You know, getting involved in this documentary for a second it forces me into social social networking. I don't know anything about it, so that's why I reluctantly say, "Hey, please uh, go to Consciousness Info." Excuse me, excuse me, consciousnessfilm.info. Look at the trailer and all the wonderful people in it and, and our, our uh, goal, perspectives on consciousness. We're going to talk about NDEs and OABEs and UAPs. And oh, by the way, go hit that GoFundMe red, red little sign above the trailer. Okay. That, the, that awkwardness of it, it's, it's remarkable. But this is where we're at. We're trying to do a paradigm shift. And I need 100 grand. Dave needs 100 grand to make it happen to help contribute. And there's many ways we do it. People like you talking about it contributes. Indeed, documentaries that address it should contribute. If it is done well, wake people up and it's be educational. Maybe it'll help.
help some people question reality, look at UAPs and NDEs a little differently, if done entertaining-wise, objectively, and appropriately in all ways. I have no doubt it will. Um, with Dave Bailey working with me, I have no doubt it will. Quality yeah. there. Quality is going to be there. I guarantee you. this is going to be one heck of a documentary with the people involved and Dave Beatty. Uh, my two cents worth. I don't know where that's going to take it, but this is <laughs> an extraordinary documentary. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you've you've talked about um, the need to integrate science of of subjective reality and 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 kind of physicality, physical objective reality. Um, why do you think that this is important to, to happen? Um, yeah, maybe it's a missing link. Consciousness will be part of Einstein's unified field theory someday. You would like to think maybe that unseen force, whatever it might be, torsion energy, mental intention. Uh, we see people who have used their mental intention to heal. Bill Bankston uh, is one individual, the Bankston healing method. He saw me pictures before and after using his intention to actually cure tumors in mice and they never can get cancer again. Is uh, a resident bond of some type. You see these kinds of incidents, the white crow in terms of using intention, whatever that is, trying to integrate the objective outer world with the subjective inner world of intelligence and information. And, and the brain is like an objective biological information processor, is it not? But it's a transmitter of impersonal 3D information. It's um, deterministic. You have to hit a key and you know what you're gonna get. It's very predictable, it's reducible. It's a very, it seems to be quantum driven system. But the, the inner world, the subjective world, we have meaning, we have uh, intention, we have spirituality, we have, it defies Newtonian stuff. It's not quantum, right? It means something and nothing. Yeah. yeah and then you, know, uh, you have something yeah, so, like um, even even subject. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to well, it. Well, it's like notes on a, it's notes on a page. Uh, you add the subjective to it to make the music. Yeah. The brain is notes on a page. It's, you're getting the subjective aspect. It may, maybe that's contributions from some parts of the brain. But how do you ask? How do you ascertain certain aspects of human performance that defies logic? Uh, who has the same brain and, and, and that I have supposedly, and yet I can't tell you what the cube, cube root answer is to a five-digit <laughs> to the sixth you know, decimal point. Yeah. Eight. You, you get it. You get it. Science, you know, a Diane, I, when Diane tells me that this is the case, I believe it. I, I look at the source. Again, I haven't seen her in uh, outside Walmart with a brown paper bag drinking that, drinking something. She, <laughs> and there's other people like, like her. That statute, not that they are right. But they get at it, they search, they apply science to it, they're really involved, and they will, they're at the cutting edge. As many of them at the cutting edge at Harvard, Diane's doing uh, research at Harvard, as with Gary Nolan, looking at the brain, looking at various aspects, possibly biophotonic energy, how torsion energy may actually in integrate, interact with the brain. The brain is like a, a torsion integrator of information that occurs externally. 
possibly. And maybe again, when, when you become awake, aware, have a peak experience, maybe there is a resulting alteration in, in brain physiology that also facilitates further awareness, spirituality, almost as if it may be an innate physiologic function like fight or flight, or when other types of instincts take over that you're unaware of. It's like the people who are, are close to death, the deathbed visions that they have, deathbed communications, a whole mess of, of research out there. It's extraordinary. People should look at yeah. it. You know, people close to death having terminal lucidity in, in a coma for six months. So just before they die, they, they wake up, they're lucid, they're in intelligent, uh, as if they were there all six months, and then they die. Uh, or the people that keep on, who are close to death, they keep stretching their arms out and calling names. I see him in the corner of the room. I see her. You know, my deceased relatives are going past I see. I, I saw that with my grandma. That happened with my grandmother. She was talking about her sister. And she's saying her sister's right there. And it, it was incredible. It, you know, I get shivers down my spine. That's just. Well, more than likely, her sister was right there. And in fact, the fact that she said it and that she believed it, then her sister was right there. Why? Yeah. The science of the subjective, because it provided her comfort during this extraordinary transition process to something we call death, whatever that is. It also likely provided great comfort to a grieving family. Uh, to see, however, that their loved one is is benefiting in some way from that extraordinary interaction of some type. Obviously, physicians will say it's a, the drug or, or anoxia resulting from brain death. But it's the same excuses you see in near-death experiences. Jeff Long, who runs the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, is going to be in the documentary. And he's collected thousands of subjective reports of the near-death experience. I encourage people to go to the website, look at people's discussions, their, their anecdotal ex reports of their near-death experience. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. You tell me that's brain-based. I'm sorry. And I can't explain it to you. And they're trying to explain something that's ineffable in nature, that in many cases is non-3D, again, using language that is 3D-based. So there's this translation issue of what I truly experience. It's like, it's like um, I mentioned this. It's, it's, here's a, a woman who had a near-death experience. And during, during the process of delivering a child, I believe. No, no, excuse me. No, not, not, not I take back. She's an near-death experiencer. And, and she says, the unconditional love I had, a common symptom who the, those who have had near-death experience, as well as many of these other kinds of uh, <clears throat> peak experiences. She says, the magnitude of love I experienced during my NDE, she said, the best way I can, she's like, I can't describe it, but the best I can get, it's express it as is, it's like a mother looking in the eyes of the their first newborn for the first time, magnified 10 million times. And she said, and that doesn't touch it, doesn't come close. Now, I'll take that. Now, if, if medicine right can come up with a pill, that's pretty cool. That's what yeah. I... Ego dissolution. That's what I call the same world. Maybe everybody should have an NDE, right? Can you simulate an NDE and maybe kickstart the brain into you know feeling that way? Can you give that, you know, that's 
Now, Newtonian physics is not designed to explain that, of course, not that it's fault. You know, quantum physics may not get at it, but it gets at it closer than, than, than Newtonian physics, a little bit in terms of the subjective perspective, the perceptual alterations that occurs during many of these PEs are consistent with many theories in quantum physics, which you may have mentioned before. Alterations of time and space are, are more easily uh, realistically explainable, uh, utilizing that type of science, but we can't utilize it on, on a consistent basis uh, until we better understand it. We'll have com quantum computers indeed. Our brain is a quantum processor, we see that. And that's why the brain likely does interact with quantum processes externally. And that's why people, when they're beyond the brain, like during an NDE, like during times when the brain is inhibited, which can happen in many ways, where the brain does not no longer impede our ability to perceive true reality. Okay. People yeah, have the fil the filters of the beyond brain. that. And yeah. then, right. Uh, and then and only then do we truly understand the subjective uh, nature of, of who and what you are. You come to the realization that there is a subjective world. That's an external world, but there's what the David Baum said that, the intricate, the explicate, this interaction going on, there's a quantum processes going on. But look, we're speculating. All of this, everything I say is, is, is a best guess. That's what is so extraordinary about the whole thing. That's why um, I wrote the book. That's why I want to do a documentary because there's truth here and there's nonsense here. But there, I know there's truth, enough truth warrant the need to do a documentary to spread the word to help shift the needle as people often say to better realize that maybe an aspect of human function maybe mental intention can hold a promise for humanity in terms of our ability to utilize our abilities innate subtle as they may be that can be hopefully cultivated over time, taught early on in life to our advantage. And someday that's going to happen. It doesn't mean we're going to know the cute brute answer at the age of four or speak six languages, you know, or at that age, but we'll be doing better. And if we can become more humane, more than anything at all, dissolve the ego as much as possible in whatever way possible. You know, something I, I wouldn't mind having peak experience tomorrow, maybe if it is, even if it is a near-death experience, as long as I know I'm going <laughs> to come back, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll like yeah. to pierce the veil, so to speak, and feel that love, That's, that'd be pretty cool, but, you know, I'd like to come back and let me finish the documentary, you know, I'm just, <laughs> Dave, yeah, Dave is yeah. going to be quite upset if I, uh, if I move on before <laughs> that. <me. laughs> I'm feeling good, Dave, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, and I, you know, I had uh, something akin to a near-death experience that now I call it the, like a trauma-induced out-of-body experience, but it was precisely what people describe in, in near-death experience, and um, it was, yeah, it was a whole another magnitude of ineffable, as you said, uh, you know, because even before that, I've had a number of um, contact experiences, but this was a, a whole nother, a, no, a whole nother thing. <laughs> um so yeah i think there's something well, 
You, you know, this whole other thing, thanks so much for saying that, this whole other thing, it lights you up. I mean, it, it creates problems. Let's not forget that we talked about that, but it also creates wonderful things, especially long-term once it's integrated and you better understand it and get the right support. We mentioned that three, four times, but yeah. and, and I apologize to your audience for being a little redundant with that, but it's that important. It and is. People will come into the middle of the show to, to get that message more than anything else. You have to help these people. And, and, and that's another aspect, well, of the, the, this peak experience. Um, but again, there's a good element. Uh, after your socks are knocked off, and it's good. Believe me, it's good. But you see, Jim, I can tell when we first started communicating, I can tell you were lit. There is that resonant bond that other people who have these kinds of experiences that go up the ladder just a notch, some two notches, three notches, you know, from where, you know, it depends on your personality and how lit you were to begin with. I keep using that word, but more yeah, yeah. Or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, but it's like a, it's a subgroup. It's like when you go to a CE5, you can tell these are peak experiences. It, in general, more than not, you know you're not in a bowling alley, you know, with the, I shouldn't, I shouldn't put, no, no, I shouldn't point, say these kinds of things. <laughs> I, it, they're wonderful, bowlers are wonderful people, I love bowling. <laughs> Bare shoulder, I love bowling, I'm not knocking, uh, love bowling actually, not anymore though. Um, but, you know, you're not at the bar talking with the guys on a Friday night, well, what night? Uh, there is a commonality. There is that uh, connection. Whatever you want to call it, you feel it. You're knowing this. You're with, you feel comfortable. It's like when you go to that CE5, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely magnificent. And, you know, that alone, you see something or not, right? Uh, that experience alone, just being with like-minded souls, is what it's all about. We want to capture that for the documentary. Yeah. Why do so many people now? Well, why is it this groundswell for CE5s? What's going on? What's all that all about? It's becoming yeah. popular, obviously. Um, and we get some information documentaries. We see it in media. We, people are talk, talking about it. And for good reason. If anything, it's a beautiful way to, for people to meet each other. So a lot of people get married as find their married partner as a result. But it's wonderful. I had an absolute wonderful time at Mike's uh, last month made great connections, great stories. Um, you think, you, you know, you talk to people about their personal experiences and you like to think you gave them a little insight if you could, you try, but yeah. where they're at. I, 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 I hear you, Jim. I, I have tremendous respect for you. Uh, the more I know you, the more I, I like you and respect you for, for talking about your experiences the way you do. And I uh, was very hesitant at times um, to talk about mine uh, and why I'm not entirely sure, but it's a stigma. And you know what? People don't don't look at you different after you say, I saw a UAP or a near-death experience. Yeah, I don't need you in my life. You're going to debunk me and look at me different. You're doing me a favor by ignoring me and, and turning the other way. It, it's that's all it took to get you out of my life. Thank you. You know? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in. So... And you get some of that ufology in any, in any aspect of, of business, especially when it's controversial and, um, and critical. You see, this yeah. is ufology should be a serious science. I'll, we all know it's regarded as a pseudoscience. I don't want to go there. 
And it's so unfortunate. It impedes our ability to understand this this issue. Um, yeah. Well, I think the conversation is is finally coming around. Um, you know, even you know, you have uh, Avi Loeb of Harvard, who's has the Galileo, Galileo project, now. project. Yeah. Um, right. So you know, things are starting to to change. There is more of an openness. Um, at least in the minds of people to say, okay, this is something legitimate. Yeah. You know, we're, we're still far off again, like you said, from understanding it, but it's, I, th- I feel we're, we're at the beginning of a process and I, I hope it continues to gain momentum and, and shift in that direction. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the things I love about um, uh, the UFO phenomenon and contact and uh, and and the UFO subject is because for me it's where the it's where the rubber meets the road between consciousness and and physical reality. You have this physical object, the UFO, that multiple observers can witness at the same time, um, performing uh, and having these consciousness psychic interactions repeatedly documented over the decades. Uh, so it's it's really where the, the physical and metaphysical meet. You know, you have. Um, so-called paranormal experiences being expressed here in in the in the physical world so i I think that's the 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 ufo uap is kind of like a a physical um kind of segue into metaphysical or you know what we currently don't understand but is you know still uh, inherent in, in our reality um but uh, you know, it's it's been a pleasure having you on. We've been going at it a long time. I'm definitely going to have to invite you back to talk again. Uh, but just to, do you have any any parting words for the audience? New uh, audience, uh, be objective, please. Uh, do research. Don't interpret everything literally in any in any field, even on even on the, the third shelf uh, in Walmart. Be objective, please. Uh, but do you do due diligence before you buy a particular stock and do the same before you interpret something as truth? That came out of a, a report uh, from the from any aspect of an organization anywhere, ufology or otherwise. Go to consciousnessfilm.info. Look at the documentary that Dave Beatty and I are producing. We're passionate about it. Consider contributing whatever you can to support the most, in my mind, obviously, critical cause of our time, to answer the most fundamental questions of our time. What is consciousness? What is reality? Please understand that importance. And uh, let's shift that needle together. Thank you so much. And sign up for the newsletter on on the website. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I hope to have you on again and maybe on uh, my other YouTube channel and podcast, Meta Perspective. So I will be seeing you around soon. And I'm very excited for the documentary. Oh, thank you very much for your support, Jim. And, and uh, thank you for all you do. I can't say enough about you. You're a good yeah. man. Greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.